All right, very good. Well, this is going to be a um, significantly shorter sermon. I feel like it's, it's better to title it a brief exhortation. Um, but for those of you who have notes and you are taking notes, all right, we have note-taking sheets in the back again if you missed those, kids. Um, the title of this sermon is this. There's a space in your notes where you can write the title of a sermon. The title is this, Our Mission Starts at Home. Our mission starts at home, okay? And if you didn't catch the scripture that Buzz read, another one of the students here, thank you for doing that, buddy. He read Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Psalm 78, 1 through 8. You know, over the last couple months, this has been really exciting, actually. Uh, Members of our church have uh, participated in short-term mission trips around the world. Um, Actually, if you've been on a short-term mission trip this summer, can you just slip your hand up wherever you are? Don't be bashful. Higher. People can't see that. There we go. Yeah. Yep. We've gone to places like South America, um, to Africa. I was there for a couple weeks uh, because we want to see the name of Jesus proclaimed by every tribe and tongue. It's what we want, church. And so we go to those places with, with joy. We go to those places with confidence. We, we go in obedience because it's Jesus himself who has told us to make disciples of all nations. And best of all, he's promised to be with us every step of the way. It's amazing. We, we would have no business traveling to faraway places to talk to people about Jesus if we didn't know that Jesus was with us when we go. And when we think of fulfilling our mission as a church, we, we rightly invest our, our prayers, our money, our time in faraway places where Christ has yet to be named. But what I'm going to argue this morning, because this is what Psalm 78 teaches us, particularly the beginning of this psalm, is this, that the Great Commission fulfilling our mission that Jesus has given us, it starts at home starts at home. It doesn't start in Africa or South America. The work of helping the people around us become disciples, followers of Jesus Christ in every area of life, that starts at home. It starts in our neighborhoods. It starts in our families. And in a primary way, it starts with our children. With our children. Now, now I'll be honest, okay? It feels a lot more important and exciting and thrilling to go to some place like Africa and show a Jesus film to people in the bush um, who have never heard the gospel. That is and feels a lot more exciting than going down the hall to resolve yet another conflict between the siblings. All right, it just, in terms of emotionally, how does it feel? One feels a lot more exciting. You know, you don't do safaris in your upstairs hallway. Okay, you do resolve sibling conflict in your upstairs hallway. There's nothing glamorous about the day in and day out work of training children. You know, I I get invitations on a regular basis to, to follow blogs of people who are going to every day tell all the cool things happening on their international missions trip. And those are great, right? I can't think of the last time I got invited to follow a blog that was designed to help us know what to do when your daughter looks at a closet full of clothes and proclaims she has nothing to wear to school. 
or that she's the only one in her class who doesn't have a boyfriend. Those moments of ordinary parenting, they don't feel glamorous. You don't have feedback nights to tell all your parenting stories from the last month, right? The way we do with mission trips. And I'm not disparaging short-term mission trips, but I want us to remember, and in particular, let Psalm 78 remind us that fulfilling the Great Commission always starts at home. Always starts at home. So, So here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that God would raise up missionaries from this church to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the nations of the world. I believe he's going to do that. But fulfilling our mission doesn't start with that, friends. It starts with going upstairs at 1130 at night to initiate a conversation with your son about how to fear the Lord when he's in high school. That's not less great commission work than what I did in Africa. Fulfilling our mission starts with inviting a middle or a high school student in our church. Those of you who aren't parents, right? Inviting one of them out for coffee and and listening to their struggles and, and praying for them. Fulfilling our mission starts with, for some of us, staying up an extra hour late on a Saturday night. Not because we're parenting our own kids, but because we're getting ready to share Christ with other families' children and King's kids on a Sunday morning. That's Great commission work. It starts at home with the next generation of young people that God has entrusted to us. So here's a question for you. If, if as you think back over your life, those of you who are Christians here this morning, if someone significantly older than you, doesn't have to be a parent, biological parent, but just someone significantly older than you was instrumental in helping you understand that you needed a savior And Jesus Christ was that Savior and is that Savior. And in bringing you to a point where you trusted him as your Savior, somebody older than you was part of that process, raise your hand. Keep him up. Look at that. Church, that's that's significant. That's tremendously significant because it reminds us that the way we care or don't care For the young people in this church, the families in this church, is probably the single most important factor in determining whether there's even a church here in 25 years. Fulfilling the Great Commission starts at home. And my goal in saying that is not to motivate you to leave a legacy. Okay, plenty of non-Christians are writing books and offering seminars on how to pay it forward. It's not what I'm talking about, okay? My goal is to remind us that the work of transferring the truth of the gospel and a love for the Savior to the children and teens in this church and in our community is at the heart of our mission as a church. Great Commission begins at home. And that's the point that Asaph, the guy who wrote this psalm, makes in these first eight verses. So so I don't have time to unpack, obviously, all that I would like to to the depth I would prefer this morning, but I'm going to make a couple very quick observations from these eight verses. And if you have a Bible, kids, if you have a Bible, as I mention a verse, look at it. Okay, you should always be thinking, not just what am I hearing the pastor on stage say, but does that agree with what I see in my Bible? 
That's really important, okay? So here we go. Just a, a couple observations. What is the Lord teaching us from this psalm about why the Great Commission begins at home? The first thing that we notice is that in verses 1 through 3, Asaph is telling essentially a story. He's describing something, and he gives us a lot of words that are all different ways in parallel of talking about one thing. So he's kind of piling phrase upon phrase to describe something in the first three verses. Uh, One of the, the games that I like to play with my boys at home is called Guess Your Favorite Animal. So it goes kind of like this, you know, I'll say, um, guess my favorite animal, it has spots, it's fast, it lives in Africa, it eats meat, what is it? A cheetah, yes, that's right, it's a cheetah. So Asaph's doing the same kind of thing here. In the first three verses, he's describing one thing in several different ways with words like this, teaching, words of my mouth, a parable, dark sayings, things that we have heard and known, things that our fathers told us. He's, he's describing in different ways, different phrases, one thing. And that one thing is found in verse 4. Look at verse 4. What's he describing here? All those words are talking about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done. So Asaph is speaking here at the beginning of this psalm about the truth of who God is, what he's done, and why it matters. Which raises a question. Who needs to hear that truth? Look back at verse 4. It's the coming generation or our children. Now, now please notice that's not just a word to parents. Okay, that's a word to all the people of God. Look at verse 1. What does he say? Give ear, O my people. He doesn't just say, oh, my parents. Okay, so if you're not a parent, don't tune out on family weekends. Okay, there's a word for you here. Whether you're single or married or in your 20s or in your 80s, there's an instruction from Jesus in Psalm 78.4. Look back at that verse. Here's the instruction. Here's the command. Do not hide, what? The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done from the next generation in this church. That's the command. Why not? Why why is that so important? Why, why, Why does God care that we pass on to those who are younger than us a right knowledge of who God is and a right affection for the Lord in light of who he is? Well, the reason is that there's one thing our young people need more than anything else, church. One thing they need, and it is not an academic education. It's not soccer skills. It's not piano skills. It's not cooking skills. It's, it's not how to write a resume. It's not how to climb the corporate ladder. Are those skills valuable? Yes, they're very valuable. Okay, I'm grateful my, my parents taught me some of those skills, but they're not of supreme importance. Okay, Psalm, Psalm 78, verse 4, tells us what is of supreme importance. It tells us what must be transferred to the next generation in this church. So what, what does the next generation in this church need to know more than anything else, church? They need to know that God is glorious. They need to know that God is mighty 
And they need to know the wonders that God has done. That's what they need. And parents, I want to challenge you in a world that is doing its very best to make you think that there are a host of other things that if you don't also give your kids, you're failing as a parent, that that is a lie. What they need more than anything else, church, they need to know that God is glorious, that God is mighty, and the wonders that Jesus Christ has done. That's what they need to know. That's what we all need to know. So how are we going to know that? Look at verse 5. We just going to imagine what it is, decide what it is for ourselves? No, look at verse five. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. Okay, two things are going on here. One, our young people are going to know the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done because God has revealed those things in the pages of his word. All right, kids, if you want to know who God is, you need to read this book. You need to read this book, okay? Reading is not just something your school teachers want you to do, okay? Reading is something that God wants you to do because it's through his word that he's gonna show you that he's glorious, that he's mighty, and the wonders that he's done. You need that. And second, parents, it is God's plan to take this word and help those who are younger understand it through your teaching. Look back at verse five. He appointed a law in Israel, established a testimony, which he commanded our fathers, don't just think biological fathers, but but the fathers in the faith, mothers in the faith, to teach to their children. In other words, if the next generation in this church and in this community is gonna know Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ, two things have to happen. One, they have to be confronted with the word of God. And two, those of us who are older in the faith have to help them understand the word of God. That's the way it works. So parents, to wrap this up, please hear this. You are not responsible for saving your children. You're not. You can't make your children repent of their sins and trust the Savior any more than you can make yourself repent of your sins and trust the Savior, okay? Only God can change their hearts. But here's what you can do. Here's what you must do. Here's what King Jesus delights to empower you to do as the one who's promised to be with you always. You are responsible for making sure that your children know the word of God. That they know the word of God. Because it's through the knowledge of his word, who God is, what he's done, why it matters that that the Lord will bring our young people, look at verse seven, to a point where they decide to what? Set their hope in God, not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. How do we describe what's going on there? What is setting their hope in God? That's faith. That's faith. What is keeping his commandments? Obedience. How are the young people in this church going to come to trust and obey Jesus Christ? It says, you, those of us who are older in the faith, we take the word of God and we teach it to them. Don't underestimate, friends, how significant that is. Fulfilling our mission begins at home. And, And here's what God promises will happen if we do that, okay? If we're willing to take what our fathers told us, all of us who raised our hands, 
okay? A father and mother in the faith, we're influential in your salvation. If we're willing to take what our fathers told us, teach it to our children, our grandchildren, look at verse six, the children yet unborn, will come to know the word of God and what? And arise and tell them to their children, our great-grandchildren, so that they too will know the word of God with the end result that our great-grandchildren will not fall into the same patterns of sin that all the older people did. Instead, what will they do? Verse eight, their hearts will be steadfast and their spirits will be faithful to God. If you study this passage this week, parents, there are five generations in Psalm 78. Five generations of followers of God because each generation was faithful to transfer the gospel. That's what I am committed to seeing this church be. And I'm so grateful for all of you who have been faithfully doing that and are joining me in doing that. Um, and to that end, I want us this morning to be able to hear from different ministry leaders who are working hard to equip all of us to make that happen in different ways in the church. Uh, so without further ado, um, if you would join me in welcoming Sarah Campbell onto the stage. Sarah, come on up. Sarah leads our King's Kids ministry. And I'm excited for you to hear from her. Thank you, friend. Yep, that's fine. All good. Yep. Yep. All right. Sure, Matthew gets all the lollipops, and now the kids are all wiggly when I get up here, right? You're welcome. (laughs) All right, as you probably have heard, next week we are going to start a new curriculum for the kids called the Gospel Project. You may be wondering, why would our church invest in the Gospel Project when our other curriculum was actually free? It's a good question. Luke 24 gives one of these reasons. So here's a backdrop. Um, Jesus was crucified, and he was in the tomb. Three days later, he's no longer there. Two of his disciples are walking along a road, and they're trying to make sense of all that has happened. And in verse 27, Jesus joins them along the road. And this is what happens. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Did you catch what Jesus did? He went all the way back to the book of Genesis and went through the entire Bible explaining how every single one of those stories connected to him. That is exactly how the Gospel Project is set up. So we are going to show you a quick video. It's about five minutes that kind of gives you more of a taste of how the Gospel Project shows this. The Bible is an amazing book. It's not just a collection of stories, it's one big story where everything points to Jesus. It begins with God creating a perfect world and placing a perfect couple in the middle of it. But Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin and death entered the world. God decided to judge the earth by sending a great flood, but he told Noah to build an ark so the animals and Noah's family could be saved. One of Noah's descendants was a man named Abraham. 
God promised Abraham that his family would be used to bless the whole world. The Israelites would have a special land to live in and would be as countless as the stars in the sky. When a famine spread through the land, God used Joseph to bring the Israelites to Egypt. But after a time, the Egyptians made them their slaves. So God raised up another leader, Moses, to rescue his people and lead them to the promised land. God performed amazing miracles along the way. He taught the Israelites how to live. He showed them how to build a tent called the tabernacle where sacrifices could be offered for their sins. But even after they arrived in the promised land, the Israelites continued to rebel. They worshiped idols and demanded a human king instead of God. God was patient and allowed them to have a king. One of those kings was David, who defeated Goliath. David's son Solomon built a beautiful temple for God that replaced the tabernacle. But Solomon's sin caused the kingdom to be split in two. During this difficult time, prophets like Isaiah told the people about the Messiah. The Messiah would make things right with God again. Even when the Israelites were conquered by other kingdoms, they held on to the promise that one day, the Messiah would come and rescue them. In time, God led the Israelites back to the land. The temple was rebuilt. Jerusalem's walls were repaired. The prophet Malachi foretold that the Messiah was on the way. Then, silence. For 400 years, God remained quiet. The silence was broken by the cry of a tiny baby born in a manger. His name was Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah. He lived a sinless life, performed miracles, and showed the people how to return to God again. Some believed Jesus, most did not. He was arrested and crucified on a cross. And then something amazing happened. Three days after his death, Jesus came to life again, conquering death and defeating sin once and for all. At the beginning, we said that all of the Bible points to Jesus. So you might think it's strange that he appears so late in the story. Or does he? Look closely and you'll find signs that point to Jesus right from the very beginning. God used the ark to save Noah, pointing to the day when we would find salvation in Jesus. God promised to bless the world through Abraham's family, which he did through Jesus. The sacrifices pointed to Jesus, who became the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. The pages of the Bible are filled with stories that point us to Jesus. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus' friends carried his message to the ends of the earth. Faithful followers like Peter, Paul, and others shared the good news wherever they went. And you and I have the same calling. 
We are to share Jesus wherever we go until one day he returns to make everything right again. Yes, the Bible is full of amazing stories, but really, it's all about Jesus. That's the story. That's his story. All right, so the Gospel Project actually takes three years to go through the whole Bible in order. And every single week, there is a Christ connection as they call it, which clearly connects each of the stories back to Christ, just as Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. In short, you guys, the kids are going to hear the gospel every single week. And it's that gospel that transform, transforms hearts. All right, kids, I'm really excited for you guys because you are going to have a blast in class. You're going to read your Bibles. You're going to do fun activities. You're going to play games. There's going to be music, and there's even going to be videos. Parents, don't worry. We're not going to send your kids back there and put them in front of a screen the entire time. There's, um, each of the videos are only like three to five minutes. Um, but I've been asked the question, why get TVs? Why do these vid videos? Are they necessary? Well, in essence, no. But as I thought about that question, kids learn in different ways. So some kids could sit there and listen to a story and absorb all the details. I'm not one of those. <laughs> there's other kids that have to see it to understand it. And then there's this other group that they have to do it to really get what the story is talking about. The Gospel Project actually incorporates all three of those learning styles. Another really important reason why we decided to invest in the Gospel Project is supported in Deuteronomy 16. So it's speaking to you, parents, that you are to teach your children about who God is and his commandments. Verse seven says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and rise. So parents, my husband will be excited. I put my math skills, my limited math skills to work along with a calculator <laughs> um, and figured out how many hours are in a week. Any guesses? Oh my. Mr. Shanks, good for you. He's got a calculator in his head. Yes, 168 hours are in a week. So let's say your kid is a really good sleeper and sleeps 10 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. So that leaves you 98 waking hours with your kids. So that could be encouraging or not, but 98 hours. So let me ask you another question. When we send your kids back to class, how many hours are they back there? What? Only one, depending on who's preaching, right, Matthew? <laughs> one hour. So we get one hour with your kids, and you get about 100. So our goal back there in that one little hour is to simply come alongside of you and hopefully give you some useful tools that will help you in discipling your own children. Okay, so what are these tools? What are we giving you? Well, every Sunday, your child is going to get a take-home sheet, and it might look something like this. 
And on that take-home sheet, there are some questions. It says family starter discussion questions. And those are for you. And even the younger kids who are studying the same thing as the older kids, so you don't have to talk about two different things, um, they will even have family activities that you guys can do together. And so how would this work at home? Well, your kid brings this sheet home, I might stick it on my fridge. And at dinner time is when we are all together as a family sitting down. It's not quiet, but we're sitting down all together. I may grab that discussion questions from that activity sheet and begin to ask one of those questions. And hopefully that could provide a springboard for further discussions throughout the week for you and your family. Um, if you end up losing, maybe that sheet flies out your van window on the way home. No worries, because we will be sending you an email as well. So we're going to try to keep communicating as much as possible with you guys, the parents who are discipling your kids. All right, kids, guess what? You, every week are going to get these cool collector cards. Oh, Ethan's excited. I wish you were up here. <laughs> You're going to get one of these each week. Next week, we're going to give you one of these rings to put these collector cards on. And every week, you're going to get a new one. So you're going to go home and put it on the ring, not your bedroom floor, right? They're going to go on your ring. Um, or if you have these, I don't even know what these sheets are called, collector card sheets, they fit in there too. So you can collect them in there as well. Um, parents, this is also another tool we're trying to give you. On the front, there's a picture. You can ask your kids about that picture. What's happening in that picture? What is that lady doing? See if your kid knows. Now on the back, kids, can you plug your ears for a second? Parents, there's a cheat sheet on the back. <laughs> on the back, it will tell you what they read in class. It will give you the main point, that Christ connection that's so important and then a key passage where they are gonna be memorizing their scriptures, okay? All right, so really my prayer is that God is gonna use the Gospel Project to help equip us as families um, to actively follow our wonderful Savior. Jesus commands us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Kids, he was not just talking to adults when he said that, he was referring to all Christians, regardless of your age. So I'm excited to see what God's going to do in you guys and sharing with others. And so I have the privilege of sharing with you now how this is already happening. Henry Buffington, do you want to come up here? <laughs> Hey, buddy, come here. <laughs> okay, you guys, first of all, if you're a kid, raise your hand if you went to a VBS this summer. Oh, a lot of people over here. Oh, yep, good. Well, Henry, did you go to a VBS this summer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he did. And when he was at VBS, he was learning a scripture. And he memorized it. And then later on, he went to a library. <laughs> and a librarian asked Henry a question. She said, what are you learning or reading about? And Henry shared a verse, didn't you? 
Can you share that verse with everybody? Okay. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and God the Father. Philippians 2, 10, and 11. Now, Henry, I'm not sure if everybody knows how old you are. How old are you? Four. God used a four-year-old to boldly proclaim the gospel to a librarian who I bet listened to Henry more than he would somebody like me. So great job. That's all. All right, that's it. So please be praying for the kids, praying for us back there. Thank you. Good job, Sarah. Crushed it. All right. Quinn, where are you, pal? Uh, Quentin Cools leads our student ministry to middle school, high school students and their parents. And while he comes to give you a quick overview of what God's doing there, ushers, if you would come forward and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Buddy, thank you for your leadership. We love you, and we're excited to hear from you. The gospel, wrote Jerry Bridges, is not only the most important message in all of history, it is the only essential message in all of history. This past school year, through studying Paul's letter to the Ephesians and books like Living the Cross-Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney, our youth plunged the depths of this only essential message, the gospel. Bridges warned that we allow thousands of professing Christians to live their entire lives without clearly understanding it and experiencing the joy of living by it. May that not be our church our families, our young people. My name is Quentin Cools. I have the distinct privilege of leading our frontline youth ministry. And today I want to share with you about how God is at work and where I believe God is leading us in this new year of ministry. This past year, we doubled down on this, on building authentic gospel-centered small groups. We often talked about what it means to follow Jesus and to help our friends follow Jesus. And I've been very encouraged to join our young people in pursuing healthy friendships with deep conversations and a growing earnestness for God. As God leads our church forward, we are making a significant, uh, a significant commitment to these next generation ministries, ministries that are here to help equip parents and students to follow Jesus and help their friends follow Jesus. And honestly, I keep coming back to this one simple idea. Jesus changes everything. In our church, we have couples like Rich and Anna Rognes, who have for years faithfully served by helping the middle school and the high school students apply the word of God to their hearts and lives. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. 
In our church, we have young women like Meredith Levanovich and Michaela Bennett who regularly pursue friendships with high school girls to help them grow in grace and truth. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. In our church, we have young men like Kyle Rognes, Garrett Rozier, who have grown so eager to see God at work that they volunteer to serve alongside me in leading our high school guys small group. Yes, Jesus changes everything. Kingsway Community Church, our mission is that we exist to help one another enjoy a growing relationship with God by treasuring Christ, pursuing authentic community, and loving our neighbors. What about Frontline? Frontline exists to help one another enjoy a growing relationship with God by treasuring Christ, pursuing authentic community, and loving our neighbors. We share the mission of Kingsway. This ministry exists because Jesus changes everything. So how are we going to accomplish that mission this year? We plan to bring each of our meetings, this is new, under one roof here at the church building. And Lord willing, every Wednesday night, we anticipate holding small group meetings to worship together, study God's word, and develop friendships with one another And in addition, we will hold a monthly meeting called Frontline Together, where we'll introduce gospel-centered, biblically-based sessions and an environment to invite unbelieving friends and neighbors. This year, I have the unique opportunity to be mentored by Matthew as I prepare a new teaching series for this fall. And the question that I keep asking myself is this, how can we help our young people submit themselves to God? How can we help our young people submit themselves to God's good and gracious will? How can we help our young people submit to his supremacy? So how many of you are not yet in middle school under the age of 12 or 13? How many of you are younger than that age? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are older than the high school age of 17 or 18? Raise your hand. Okay, and how many of you are in middle school or high school for this school year? Raise your hand. All right, these are the people we're going to be hanging out together a lot this year, and I'm excited about that. So if you're a student in middle school or in high school or a parent of such a student, then I'm asking you, please join us this year because... I believe that Jesus changes everything, and I want that message to be proclaimed in my life and in the life of your student. Today, we have the opportunity to meet about that with the parents. So if you're a parent of a middle or high school student, then I invite you to join us for that meeting. Uh, Directly following our lunch together um, after uh, this morning meeting, um, we're going to get together for about an hour I will share a few details about what we're planning for this next year um, and then open it up for questions, introduce some of the leaders. Um, I'm eager to jump into this year of ministry because I believe that Jesus changes everything. Ultimately, God has given parents the primary responsibility of discipling their children. 
but God has also ordained the church to envision, equip, and encourage parents. And that's why we're here. So join us for Frontline this fall. Thanks.